ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. About to share this episode thanks to these fine companies I depend on in the field. Game Changer Calls. The GC was designed with all hunting callers in mind. Though elk is the intended target, the unique size is a game-changing tool for turkey and coyote callers as well. It is not designed to replace your tube or open reads, but rather to complement the caller's repertoire in the field. Vortex Optics. Proudly made in the USA, Hoffman Boots. If you're heading to the backcountry and you need some meals that won't bog you down, check out SasquatchFuel.com. 100% compostable packaging was designed to combat litter in the backcountry. For more information on conservation in action, head over to SasquatchFuel.com. Titanium Archery Products. Dedicated archers deserve truly unique products that provide all the performance attributes that they demand, and that's exactly what TAP delivers. For more brands we run and trust, jump on westerncontours.com partners page. Look for the code Western Contours and save a few dollars off your order. All right, guys, we're on, we're on with Roger Holsher. Uh, Roger and I have been, I don't know, we should have been recording for about 30 minutes, but we're just shooting the shooting the s here um roger uh we, we're laughing a bit here um give us an intro man let's talk about roger and talk about that hunting and outdoor life and and who you are where you're from etc cetera, etc cetera, man oh man well i'm uh originally from northern california and born in the central valley of california outside of sacramento and moved when i was real young up to uh, a small town called macarthur it's uh about 80 miles northeast of Redding in northeastern California. And grandparents moved up there and started a cattle ranch. And so my mom and dad followed shortly thereafter and grew up up there from about the second grade on. And man, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It was kind of rough living, but, you know, made me grow up and grew up quickly just to 
all the responsibilities that I had growing up. But that's where really I got my start in the outdoors and everything. My dad is a big hunter. And, you know, before I even knew what, what it was, he was going, taking horses into the back country into Nevada and Idaho. And he stopped that shortly after my brother and sister were born, just running out of time. But I always stuck close to him. And he's the one that really got me started in the outdoors. You know, growing up on the ranch, we had a couple hundred acres and about 150, 200 head of cattle. And there was always something to do. And old grandpa used to pay me and my brother a nickel for every bird that we'd shoot with our pellet guns. He didn't like them crapping on the farm equipment and stuff. So we, we started real young shooting stuff that we probably shouldn't have been shooting now that I know better, but you know, we were always, we always had a pellet gun or a 22 in our hands doing a lot of shooting running but around the ranch that, uh, having fun. Yeah. Oh man. Squirrels, squirrels, all, all you can shoot, you know, back when 22 long rifle was like five bucks for 500 rounds <laughs> back in those days. Yeah. Good luck now. Yeah. But started hunting uh, ducks and waterfowl when I was real young. And as soon as I could, at the age of 12, started hunting big game with a rifle. Um, got a grandpa took me on my first time out and got me a little fork and horn. Then the next year, um, dad got me for my 13th birthday, got me a little Hoyt bow and from a place called predator archery down in the central Valley outside of Gilroy. And kind of, that's what got me started into archery. And he wouldn't let me hunt with it for a year. I had to be able to hit a, a six inch paper plate at 40 yards with five arrows before he'd let me hunt with it. So I definitely had to do a lot of practicing, but you know, self-taught archery kind of thing for my, uh, for my first two years with a rifle, got a, got a buck up there in X one. And then first year with the bow, I got one with a bow. My first day out, went out by myself and shot a buck. And I was like, man, this is easy. And then yeah. I didn't kill another one for, <laughs> for like five or six years, but it's tough hunting in that country. It's a lot of high desert rolling lava rock kind of country. It's not, not a whole lot of high peaks you can get on in glass. So it was a lot of lonely days in the ground blind for 14 hours on a water hole or, you know, still hunting through some timber, but, oh man, I, wouldn't trade it for the world, but you know, that that's kind of the type of hunting that I did growing up. And it wasn't until quite a bit later, I started doing the backpack, backpack type hunting. But uh, shortly after graduated high school, moved to the Sacramento area to go to school and play baseball and work. And after all that was done, I moved down to Southern California, down your neck of the woods to the uh, Inland Empire, they call it, the San Bernardino area to go to school. And, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And that's that's kind of where I really started getting into the archery gig. I, you know, before that, it was, you know, your, what you would call your standard archer, archery hunter at least. You know, didn't do a whole lot of prep, didn't do a whole lot of tuning, just, you know. Drawn shoot. Shot when it, Yeah. Pretty much, you know, my form was probably crap, but I started working at the archery department there at Bass Pro Shops and Rancho Cucamonga and 
there was a couple guys we were talking about before we started recording that that really kind of got me turned around into I didn't even take my bow down there when I moved. So working there, I ended up buying another bow and started shooting a lot more. And my buddy Garrett Trafus, he uh, worked there behind the archery counter. And man, great shot, good form, great just um, bow tech, really. And he's the one that really taught me a lot about archery and all the ins and outs of it. And I, I really owe him a lot because he's he's the one who kind of got me started on all that and then uh, did a little bit of pro staff and stuff for Bowtech and NAP Bow Rattler a couple companies down there when I was shooting some competitions and won a couple down in that area and, and moved back up to Northern California to start my law enforcement career and went through the Department of Fish and Game Academy to be a game warden uh, that didn't end up working out and got hired at a police department and then the uh just south of sacramento i won't say the name of the town but it's a rough rough city in central california and did that for a little over six years before moving up here to idaho and about a year and a half ago and man loving it you definitely need to get up here man <laughs> so i'm gonna rewind it <laughs> yeah and so you know you you people i joke about it all the time on the podcast but people have a misconception about what it is to be a californian and and, and to be a hunter in california um so give us give us your side of that your take on that right because you grew up hunting in california i mean we have and you brought up x1 we have some really good opportunities in the state um but we're just few and far between right everybody looks at us for our left-sided politics um yeah but yeah, give us your take sure. on that and then to come down to socal and kind of ramp up the archery and everything even more um that kind of says a lot, man. I mean, there's, you know, again, great opportunity here. Yeah. People don't give California credit for the outdoorsmen that are there. And that's, you know, that's one thing that coming up here, people are like, Oh, you hunt, you're from California. I didn't think, you know, and it's people don't understand it. And like you said, that X1, X2, X3B, all those tags up there in that Northeastern zone are some of the hardest tags to draw anywhere, you know, and we got, California is the only state with all three subspecies of elk. You got the Roosevelt, the Rocky Mountain, and the Thule. Nowhere else can you find those three. But, you know, they're, you got so many different types of areas. You got the desert. You got the, the blacktails out there in the A zones and B zones. I never did get a chance to kill a blacktail because the dang little things are like coos deer. They're hard to get, man. For you guys down there hammering away at those all the time man i give you props those are tough tough animals i love but, that yeah, they, hunt, man. Oh, dude, I, I never you know i got i was doing those a3 a3 is the uh x1 archery tag and that's the tag that i grew up getting and i used to draw it every year you know it's my back door but they started lowering the number of tags as the mule deer population kind of took a hit and quit hunting mountain lions and stopped running bears with dogs and the mule population really suffered. So the tags were harder to come by towards the end of when I left. But, you know, I did a lot of the 
a lot of hunting in D zone D three through five. That's Another, that's a yeah. real good area. That's an over the counter area there in central California, kind of over south of the Tahoe area. And that's that's rugged country. You're up in nine thousand feet up in the Alpines. Yeah, nobody thinks that California is that type of country, but uh, a buddy of mine that works for a sheriff's department down there, I was telling you about it. He's a hell of a hunter, and he's the one that really got me into the backpack type of hunting, you know, up in that kind of country. And and I, I probably wouldn't be doing that today if it wasn't for him. His name's Chris. He Another Chris. It seems like to be my hunting partner, you got to be Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's one but, thing. Yeah. Uh, one thing that's definitely, you know, it, when people hear we have, you know, peaks, you know, 9,000, 10,000. Uh, but then you talk about the diversity in the landscape. I mean, we have everything, absolutely everything in the state when it comes to landscapes. I mean, you're talking, you know, dunes to chaparral to alpine. I mean, just loaded. Oh man, yeah, you can go and hunt them rainforest country over in the B zones outside of Eureka and everything up there in the redwoods, all the way down to where you're at, the desert muleys and all that stuff down there to the high alpines and the D zones and the eastern X zones. I mean, it's you take your pick, California's got it, and I think it gets a bad rap for their, their outdoorsmen, but you know, it's tough hunting out there. People think that. You know, Colorado is getting crowded with hunters and stuff. But man, we've been dealing with that for Forever. since I've been hunting. It's mm-hmm. always been, you know, especially some of those over-the-counter units. You're, you're, you got to get off the road to get away from people quite a bit, and that's kind of what got me into the backpacking stuff. Was tired of bumping elbows with people. Yeah, and I think I, I mean I guess the plus with being underrated or people just ignoring us is you don't get, you don't have the non-rest, you know, to contend with like, you know, Colorado, you guys, Idaho just made those changes this year to kind of slow those, to slow that down, right. To give the areas some breathing room, if you will. Um, But we don't have to contend with that so much. No, not at all. If people, people aren't going to go to California to hunt mule deer when they could go to Idaho or Montana and Colorado, Wyoming. You know, they just don't think of it. I mean, it's really a, a buddy of mine, Lane Strickland, he he guides up in that X4, X1 area, that northeastern um, bull elk tag. He guides governor's tags and stuff up there. And that, that the dude, dude's killing monsters every year. I mean, if you, if you get a chance, you follow him on Instagram, Lane Strickland. He kills some monsters up in that country. And people don't think that that's California. But they're up there. You just got to really work for them. Yeah, they. Uh, and then when it comes to elk, man, I mean that's uh, like you said, we have all three subspecies, and then you got the tule and uh, that Owens Valley tag, dude. Is uh, there's some oh, monsters, man. man, monsters. Yeah. But it's tag availability, right? I think we just got our big game digest. I think there's. I want to see that there's five total oh, for that yeah. four twenty two this year. Um, yeah. Once in a lifetime, once oh, in five lifetimes. Yeah. You know, I have 17 points. So I'm at max points. Oh man, and dude. I left there with, I left there with, I think 15. Oh, no way. And yeah, you don't, you don't go after it anymore for the tooling. No, nah, man. No? Just the, the point, the point creep was yeah. just getting to where it's like, 
I was never going to catch up to it. And that's 25 years. With, <laughs> oh man. Yeah. That's the problem with these States that have the, the preference point systems and stuff like that is every year that point creep just keeps going up and no, no. really you're wasting your time. That's I, I like Idaho's system, you know, it's just lottery every year. And if you draw a antler tag, like for deer last year, I drew a antler, really good antler mule deer tag. And I can't put in for one next year or this coming year right now because I drew one last year. So you got to sit out a year. I could put in for either sex tags or doe only tags or just get on over the counter. But those premium antlered only tags, I can't put in for. And it's same with elk. If you draw antlered only uh, limited entry tag, you got to sit out a year too. And that's not a bad deal, right? I mean, you pull the guy that just got yeah. it out of the pool and, yeah. you know, I mean, one person, I don't know how many tags are, are going out on that, but you're pulling them out of that, that total pool. I mean, it just helps the next guy grab it. Yeah. I want to say there was 50 in the unit that I hunted last year. It was like a 4% or 10% draw or something like that. It was pretty low. And I just threw a Hail Mary out there. My first year putting in for it, put in for it and threw it. And got it. Damn. That's always the way it goes. Right. I, I don't remember who oh, I was man. talking to some dude at the range and he was, and we were talking elk tags in California. And this was a couple of years ago. And I, I was at like 15 or 16 points at that time. And, uh, he was like, yeah, I put in Ford and drew it my first year. And then the, the son of a bitch didn't even go on the hunt. And I'm like, are you kidding oh, me? No, yeah. dude. Yeah. He said, I couldn't figure, you know, I couldn't find anybody to go with. So I didn't go. So that tag just, just drifted sat off. There. And, yeah. Just sat there. And I'm like, dude, you killed it. That, that was your yeah. once in a lifetime. You're going to have to wait 26, 27 years for that opportunity to come. Yeah. And you know, and that's the thing is people don't realize or don't think that they're going to draw it. So they just think that they're going to build up a preference point and then they draw it and they don't know what to do with it. And that kills people like, you and me that oh. know what that tag is worth yeah. and what that tag is and you know they'll never get it yeah but, well i got like i no, said actually, i got 17 and i'm putting it in for it this year i'm not going to just do the point because i've been buying the point for years and hey man uh, that if, if you're going to try for the Thule or you're going to go for like that northeastern bull no nah, dude i'm going Thule. that that it's yeah. i, I got to do it on my resident status before yeah. i bug out of here because uh, hey man unless you unless you win the lottery that's about the only way you're gonna get a tuli tag yeah because the the resident tag is what is it 467 dollars yeah. and that's what i pay for yep. out-of-state tag in some places you know so yeah, i think that's the non, what it is here in idaho yeah i think the non-res is 1500 or something like that yeah but I've always figured that I would, that it would be 25, 25 years, um, with that 17 yeah. points. You know what I mean? It's just, I uh, hope I get lucky, <laughs> right? You know, hope oh, I yeah. get lucky, man. Um, hundred percent dude. So we have a couple things in common, in my opinion, you might think nothing, um, <laughs> gear and then, preparation and practice equal opportunity. Um, and you could disagree. Yeah. You could disagree with me if you don't think we have that in common. But as I got to know you and then I'm looking at, you know, your IG and whatnot. And I'm like, yeah, this dude is like, you know, like my freaking spirit animal when it comes to geeking out on gear. Um, I mean, you don't, you don't look like a guy 
that's influenced by the outside, but you are taking what you think is going to benefit you and your pursuit and you're dialing that stuff down and trying to figure out how it's going to work for you. And you're doing it early in the year. Um, so give us a little bit of that, that whole thing there. And then we'll talk about the gear junkie problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess that probably started when I was growing up on the ranch, you know, and everything. And we didn't, we were so far away from everything. You couldn't just go down to the store and buy something if you wanted it to work or, if, you know, to fix something. So my dad is real, he's a pipe fitter, welder, fabricates stuff. So he's really good at looking at a problem and figuring out how to fix it or make it better. And being around him all the time, watching him do that, it kind of just, so with gear for me, it's like that. I'll, I'll buy a piece of gear and I'll be like, okay, this is nice, but I think I could tweak this here, tweak this there, make it better and make it work for me. And, you know, and I, I used to do the, the whole pro staff thing and, and Hey man, whoever could give me free gear, I was, I was going to run that gear and whether I, it was good gear or bad gear. Hey, as long as I could put pro staff, this next to my name, I was happy with it. And then I started, it started costing me, you know, animals, food in the, the freezer, so to speak. And so I kind of got, got away from that. And, you know, and it kind of came around the time too, where I could afford to buy my own gear and buy good gear. And so I, I kind of got away from that. And Hey man, I, I don't judge people that go out there and, and try to make a name for themselves and do that kind of thing and try to do the whole pro staff deal. But you know, if, if, if it's a gear that I have already that I really like running, I'm fine with doing a pro staff thing, but if, if it's gear that I've never worn or never used, and then somebody's like, Hey, be, be part of our pro staff here, try our, our gear. I'm like, nah, let me try your gear and I'll tell you if I like it or not. And then we'll talk like, you know, I, I'm almost thinking that I probably have more hunting days behind me than I do in front of me. And I don't want to waste it using subpar gear. Right. Or on the that, same token or gear you don't believe in that's that's right. a killer too right because right? it'd be it can be something good for 10 other people and for you it just for whatever reason it, yeah. it lacks right and then that to me if the confidence in the gear isn't there and the it, it hurts the confidence in myself nope, and, and it's just a yeah it's just a recipe for disaster sometimes yeah. You know, and it, it was like that with, with archery equipment when I was doing that, you know, the, the broadheads that I was using, I was getting the hookup on them and man, I had failure after failure with those and ended up costing me. And, you know, it's like, all right, man, I, so I use a different broadhead every year. Basically. I just, I like trying out different things, not because somebody's giving them to me for free. I'm buying them with my own money, but I just like, tweaking with them. So if I get somebody that's like, Hey, what do you think about these? Ah, I shot them last year. You know, they're all right, but I like these ones better. At least have some type of a, a background that I can explain to them that I've tried this. I've shot something with this. I've, you know, spun them on my arrows. They, they weren't consistent. They weren't, you know, whatever, but you know, just the whole, Oh, I'm pro staff for them. So yeah, they're the best thing ever. Uh, I just don't like doing that. I'm, I'm right there with but, I'm right there with you, it, and that's a hard yeah, thing, right? Yeah. Because that's a lot of I don't want to call it a problem, right? And and to each his own. 
I'm not judging yeah. anybody, but like you're saying to get out in the woods, you, I, I have to believe in something. I have to know that for my scenario, that that's going to work and I'm going to beat it up prior to getting out in the field, chasing an animal, um, to make those judgments. And I don't know, yeah. it seems like there's a lot of that. We lack that to a point on a, and that could be just the way I see it, right? Because to me, I shouldn't call it a negative, but it's kind of a negative when I see that. You know, everybody kind of bandwagons on the latest and greatest, not having yeah. the information out of their bow, out of their rifle. You know, if we're talking uh, broadheads and arrows and whatnot, it's just a lot of it's a lot of hype. Yeah, well, and that's, and I sometimes I think that that's a problem too with the industry and with you know, certain people repping certain gear is it's one year they're wearing this gear and it's the best thing since sliced bread. The next year it's this gear. That's the best thing. And so I, I almost lose respect for certain people that, that are like that. And, and just for the facts, like, man, I don't know if I could trust your opinion because just last year you were saying that, you know, <laughs> say th this one bow company sucked and this one was the best. And now you're shooting the bow company that you just said sucked last year. <laughs> that's the, but because, <laughs> Sorry. But that's, you know, <laughs> you just that's it how though. it is sometimes. Oh, hell that's, yeah. You know, there's, you know, it's like with optics, right? I mean, Vortex is a great company. They make great optics for the money and for everything. Money. Yep. But, but, but if you had a choice and money wasn't an option, everybody would be worn, running Swaros mm -hmm. or Leicas or Zeiss. But, you know, not everybody can afford those. But Vortex makes some great, I'm actually probably going to sell my, my Vipers right now and upgrade to the Razors just think they're worth it for the money and at that price range you can't beat you it. know yeah it's it's hard to beat but you know i'm not going to go out there and say these vortex razors are the best thing because i know they're not but in that price range in this context they're great they might be for somebody mm -hmm. yeah a hundred percent and then their warranty and that's the one thing oh. i've i've shot vortex i've shot about everything under the sun right from from loophole vortex um that yeah, it was jacked up. Um, still have it, but <laughs> jacked up. But with Vortex, the one thing that sold me was that warranty. Like I can't, yeah. I don't care who you are. That warranty is just it's bulletproof, right? You can run them over, right. drop them, whatever. And that's the one thing. And like you said, for the money, 100%. it's great glass, man. I mean, you. you and now well, there's some <laughs> competitors. I'll call it the mid-range marketplace. There's some yeah. competitors that are giving them kind of a run for the money. Um, which is nice to see it, right? Because then it keeps that, it keeps them honest, in my opinion. When you're the only one in 100%. that price range, you can kind of run with it and quality tends to kind of drop down a little bit just because you know you're the only one in that space. Um, yeah. But yeah, I've been, I've enjoyed their optics, man. And they're, you know, like you said, for the money, that's the, uh, you can't go wrong with them. No, and competition's great and everything, you know, whether it's, optics whether it's guns whether it's bows or backpacks or anything you know it's always good to have that competition and and speaking of running them over i literally ran a pair of binoculars over all of them went hey my bad and they went no worries send them back we'll give you a new pair and and that's nice and a lot of people where i talk about their warranty and stuff they're like oh well they must have a good warranty because they fail all the time okay that that could probably happen on occasion but for me I'm the, that one piece of the equation that's usually 
you know, kicking your tripod over on a glass and knob and your, your stuff goes rolling down the hill. Or like when I ran them over, I took my bino harness off, set it on my tire, set my backpack down, gun and everything, put everything in the truck and forgot the harness up on the tire, backed up, it fell down and I ran it over. It just, you know, it happens. Things happen and it's nice to have a company that's out there that, that, hey man, no questions asked. We had a, the, one of the, the law enforcement agency I worked for down there, there was a deployment where one of the guys had a, a PST on his sniper rifle and coming out of the turret of uh, our armored vehicle, he jammed that, that elevation turret into the, uh, the side of the, I guess, the porthole and sheared it off. It still held at zero, but he called. They sent him another one next day air. They got it on there, you know, because they knew it was a law enforcement rifle and everything. So it's just, it's hard to beat that, man. Yeah, I had some binos and stolen had- and they, and they, they were like, well, we can't give you, we can't give you a new set, but we'll give you 50% off. I mean, it, that, man, that really has yeah. crap to do with a warranty. But I mean, and then dealing with them, when you call down there, that's what impressed me, I think. And that's where I was like, okay, they just gave me 50% off for zero reason. Like I took a, <laughs> I took a snowball and I threw it in the fire to see what would happen. Right. You know, and I was shocked <laughs> yeah. and, and just dealing yeah. with them. When you call in, I forget the lady's name that answers and she's answered every time I've called and she's great down there. Oh man. And that makes, that makes it worth it, dude. And, I, and I've, I've had bad experience with optics companies. I had a pair of binoculars that I was running on patrol and Dropped them coming out of the patrol car, carrying all my gear at the end of the shift. They were in a bino harness, and I dropped them, and it had jostled the one of the lenses inside enough to where, you know, looking through both of them, one of the it was just skewed, and you couldn't see without getting a headache, and it was just all wonky. Called them, sent it back, you know, do the warranty thing, and I get get the binoculars back a few weeks later with this note that was like, hey. Sorry, this stuff isn't covered into warranty, but we'll give you, you know, $150 credit towards the purchase of another pair of binoculars. And I was like, what? That's never, never buying that, that company again, you know? No, it makes a big difference, man. I, especially like, okay, so we talked about, you know, I said the gear junkie thing. When you, when you can't. <laughs> When you can't help yourself <laughs> when it comes to buying gear, and that's where I found myself um, up until last year, man, uh, I'm, I'm making a, a legitimate effort to do better with just wanting to check something out. And uh, yeah, it is when you run across that, what we're talking about, you are sold because you've gone through so much, you know what that, you know, you've experienced it here, there and and everywhere. And you're going, okay, this is, this is great. I mean, it's not just, you know, all this one thing and I'm, and it's the best ever. It's that overall experience, at least for me and my gear junkie, it's the overall experience with that gear, the customer service aspect of it. You know, that stuff is huge, man. Huge. Oh man. Yeah. You know, there's, there's pros and cons to every company, but the, the fact that they stand behind a product like that, that gives you the confidence to where you don't have to baby it, mm-hmm. you know, and no, that's, I don't baby gear. Hey, no, I don't either. You know, it's, 
the whole gear junkie thing. I, I ran five different binocular harnesses last year. <laughs> I, I just couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> find one that, you know, one of them was good in this aspect. One was good in this. Aspect, and I was trying to find the one that was like, all right, I really like this one. It's, it's tough. They're, and, you know, same with shelters. Been running a lot of different shelters. And me and uh, Chris Young are actually probably going to design and, and try to build our own shelters. It's just because we're tired of, it's like, oh, I like this shelter, but I wish it had this. Oh, I like this shelter, but I wish it had this. Like, yeah, hey, why don't we just try to build one that's got everything we want in it? Yeah, it's a lot easier said than done. We're running into quite a few snags, but yeah, that uh, I imagine that whole undertaking. I'm always impressed, you know, with with folks that can get that stuff up and running and off the ground. Um, yeah, because it. I mean, it's it takes some some straightforward momentum, and you know, being able to stop and climb over that wall or take the setback, you know, on the chin. Um, and then start yeah. that forward momentum again. That's uh, especially in, in an industry that is that is so small, right? I mean, there's we have a demographic that's who's in, you know, that's who's into it, and it doesn't really grow too much. We don't have this exponential growth, so it's a right. definitely has to be a passionate thing. So bino harnesses, man, because I go through them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I've done two in a year. I haven't done five, uh, but I typically am trying a new one out for whatever reason i cannot i cannot find one that just impresses me in every which way shape or form right there there's some that i've had that are great but maybe a little bit too small um for the for a range of glass um then there's some that you know i love the way they fit but uh maybe they don't cover the optic fully right the sides are open or um yeah there're just so many what are you running what have you run and what are you running now oh man so see i ran a badlands uh, alaska guide gear fhf gear kuyu their new pro harness and then uh muley freak their traverse harness Last year, um, ended on the Muley Freak. Um, it, you know, and I've, like you said, the range of glass, I've, I've had a problem because I run 12s. Right. I've had a problem because 12s are right in the middle, man. You, you know, they're a little tight in the regular size ones that are really designed for 10 by 42s. And then they're really loose in the bigger ones that are designed for, for 15s, like the 15s. Right. That's and the so I have. And, and that's kind of where I'm running into some snags, but, um, you know, each one's got their, their pros and their cons about them. I, you know, and a lot of it was running into the different weather that I was experiencing up here in Idaho this last year too, during elk season. I ran, I ran, uh, two different harnesses just in elk season, just because I was getting tired of one of them and, and letting the weather in. Like you said, the open sides, I was getting, I didn't have a rain cover for it and I was just getting all kinds of moisture and rain and brush and everything debris getting inside of there and getting in my lens and I'd have to clean them off all the time is getting frustrating. Yeah. It aggravates me. That open side for me, our, our early season, um, we're hunting, you know, pretty much the, 
the middle of a zone. So we're looking at a hundred plus degrees. So I'm sweating oh, like crazy. Yeah. Everything is drier than hell. So that amount of dust that, that was getting on my lens and then I'd pull them, you know, as soon as I would open the harness, I'm drenched and I got, you know, sweat dripping out onto the lens where all that dust is built up because the sides were open and it was just, it was so frustrating, man. And, uh, I ended up buying a rain fly for it so I can cover it. But then the rain fly is like, why do I want to do this? Why do I want to pull the rain fly open, then open the harness that, you know, it's just, yeah. Quirky well, shit. That's man. just adds to the, to the noise and the movement yeah. that you got to deal with that those white or those uh, black tail in that country. But you know, they're, they're, and that's, you know, I was running into some issues too, with one of the ones that kind of opens from the bottom up. Um, during during a pronghorn, a couple pronghorn stalks, it was so much movement that I was having to, and when that flap would come up, it would cover my face when, before I could get the binoculars in there, and then it flopped down, and there was just so much movement to get the binos in and out. And I didn't want them just hanging on the tethers because then flopping around and rubbing on brush and everything. So it was, it was getting frustrating, but that's... You know, that's running them in, you know, different situations. You're going to find that, okay, it might work good in this one, but not in this one. But, yeah, I wish there was just one. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually was looking at that Kuyu one um, because I like the design of it. Um, and it, it it looked like, I, I like that back webbing. Um, but it was just like, Damn. Could yeah, it, you know, that was, it was, it was a comfortable harness. It was, I got the, I got the large one for the 12s and that was a mistake. They were flopping around in there very loosely. And the nice thing about that one is you can, it's got that wire rim around the front that you can kind of bend and mold around the binoculars to get a better fit. And so I, I did like that. I like the top down pull down um, the pockets, the side pockets were really big. You weren't going to have gear that was going to slide out of it. Um, you know, I, I wish there was a little bit of a bigger pocket on the front. They have that little zipper pocket, but you could pretty much only keep your tags in there. It's pretty tight, but I ran it with a, they have like a Velcro pouch that Velcro's on the bottom of it. I ran it with that and I kept, I probably keep too much stuff in my bino harness, but it's uh it's kind of more of a i don't know if you want to say survival but comforts if i drop <laughs> my pack and and get out there a ways away from it you know so we're gonna we're gonna talk I, about that I, since you brought it up <laughs> yeah I, and it, it, it I, I need to actually i need to actually weigh my whole bino harness setup and everything and see what it weighs because i probably carry weight and that was the nice thing about the alaska guy gear one is it's big it's got a bunch of pockets that are big <laughs> had the oh, was it the cub max i think is what it was or it is i still have it but it's it's got a ton of pockets and i was able to load it full of stuff that's for sure. That's the but problem. I, that's the problem with pockets though. Right. Cause, and I'm, I'm oh, that 100%. guy, dude, if it has a pocket, yep. I am going to find something that can yep. go in that pocket. And it's probably some unnecessary piece that I, that 
I've had for five or six years. Oh, I finally can take this with me. And if you got 10 pockets, I'll have 12 (laughs) things to put in the damn pockets, man. Because you cannot have an empty pocket in a backpack or a vinyl harness. It just doesn't look good. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, you got to fill it with something. And that that was the nice thing about that that 2K that just came out for initial ascent is it's small enough where I can get three days, two nights type of a hunt out of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not carrying too much stuff because if it's got room for it, I'm going to put something in it <laughs> and, you know, or, and it's the same with the bino harness, but it's, although, you know, too, I want to be able to carry the gear that I want to carry. And sometimes not having any pockets is it's kind of a, a negative also, but it was a very comfortable harness. If I was to do it again, I would get the, the regular size X. I think I had the XL because I think they got a large and an XL. But. So do you like the, do you like the streamline? And that's one of the things like I was running that, the Sika harness. Um, mm. And it got stolen. So I, you know, I had uh, a marsup- yeah. marsupial and then I have the mystery ranch. Um, I have the, actually the County six predator when I like, I like that harness that Caleb's making. The problem is, mm. is that with running the 12s, like you're saying, you know, that's that's more yeah. for the 10s. I could fit the 12s in it, but then I got to I have to fold them a little bit. And there's nothing worse yeah. than having to unfold my my binos and readjust every time I pull them out. Um, my boy yep, runs no, that one. That's it's really tough. nice. But what do I, I don't yeah. even know what the hell I'm running now? I don't even know. I, got, I think I'm running. I still have the Mystery Ranch. But uh, I don't like, yeah. I don't like, it's it's bulky, right? It just sits so far yeah. away from my chest and they have that, it feels like a piece of maybe cardboard in that bottom that keeps it square. And I was, who was that? Derek yeah. Fergus was saying, oh yeah, you guys run, you know, suitcases on your chest. And every time I see that <laughs> yeah. thing in a picture or something, I'm like, fuck it, thing is a suitcase. Yeah. Man, and that's you know you'd probably be okay with the the large size Kuyu that their pro harness, you know, if you're trying to get something streamlined. But now that I'm running the, I guess it's the regular size merely freak traverse harness right now, and I've been probably running that. Well, I know I've been running that one since my November mule deer hunt. I have to check that uh, yeah. out. and it, it's. It's a little tight for 12s. I would step up to the large, and I, I'm going to try to get a, a large um, for it. It's just a little bit bigger, which I think it'll it'll be what I need. It's just it's a little tight with the 12s, and granted, it wasn't designed for the 12s, but it's you know it's got the pleated front pocket. It's got a pocket in the back, a zipper pocket, so you can put your tags in there. Two side pockets, and then underneath of it, it. it they say it's for a phone or for a, a handgun, but I keep a tourniquet on the bottom of it so it's easily accessed. And then I got I'm running uh, one of their little traverse bino harness pouches. They're they're small ones on the side for some of the essentials that I carry. But that's you know just it being tight is about the only thing. Um, I was able to kind of tweak with it. Like I said, I I like to tweak with my gear, but there was a. Uh, there's an issue I had with it with the, the top flap. It wasn't exactly a hundred percent one handed because that, that ridge, it runs across the top. Um, if I can try to explain this right, there was no structure to it. So every time I'd flip it over, I'd have to run my thumb All side to way. side right. and kind of get the corners, the corners over it. 
Um, but, and what I ended up doing was untethering the, the little bungee cord and, and running a, I think it's a five and three quarter inch piece of victory VAP arrow and threading it through the, the cord and putting it up into that. And so it's, it's got a stiff backer now and it flops over beautifully and it's running pretty good. And I, th- I guess, uh, talking with Aaron over at Muley Freak, he said that they're, they're running their harnesses or, or making their harnesses that way now. So it was just a little problem that they saw and fixed. And so I don't think it's a, any issues going forward with it, but if you, if you try to run that harness with the twelves, I would, I would get the larger one. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. But anything tens and below that, that I guess their original size reverse harness, it's a pretty sweet little setup. Y'all have to, uh, I have to look because that's the one thing I was looking at. Uh, <laughs> the one thing I know I'll be buying this year is another harness. <laughs> yeah, get, get rid yeah. of my suitcase. I, like I said, man, I've been I've been fighting off the demons. <laughs> yeah, well, and I'm sure you know some of the and people sometimes comment on what I'm wearing, just because it's I got so much on my chest. But you know, I guess I'm just used to it by now. That it doesn't bother me none. So <laughs> with the, with the pockets, with the gear, uh, you had posted, you know, you went out with Dennis, Dennis and Chris there was that last weekend. And then Dennis yeah. ran that, uh, ran that blog post about lightening that bag up, man. And they were, Chris was giving you a little, well, you guys always give each other mess, but he was giving you a little <laughs> mess about, uh, packing, packing. Cause you're scared. <laughs> yeah no and that's for sure that's that's exactly what it is you know it's a just in case scenario you know i always want to be prepared for just in case and in reality you know there's there's not a whole lot of situations where i'm going to need three headlamps <laughs> you know because i i run a headlamp in my bino harness a, a little pencil e-light and so you know that's my backup and i and i run a a black diamond, I think it's a spot or the revolt as a my primary. And I got extra batteries for it. So I don't know why I was running two different black uh, black diamond headlamps. You know, that I had you know, I think I was running nine triple A's in my say bag for extra batteries and, for each. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and just all that stuff and the, the extra food, just in case we get stranded out there for a couple more days, you know, I mean, it, it's that kind of stuff that I was packing my fears. You know, I was packing, you know, too many clothes, too much food. And actually after reading that blog post and talking to Dennis a lot over that hunt, I came back and man, I stripped down all kinds. Of, I was running extra parachute cord and an extra. I think I had two, um, and probably not knowing, but I had two uh, Allen wrench sets in there and an extra bug spray and you know just stuff that you know think about it, but it adds up. Oh, it adds and, up and quick. So I, I, I definitely lighten the load for this next trip coming up. So it's going to be a lot more comfortable and I'm probably not going to bring my spotter this next trip. Cause I didn't really need it. Yeah. That I think that lends itself to, but that's why, and that's why I wanted to bring it up because all that comes full circle to that gear junkie and having yeah. all those pockets. Um, yeah. 
You know, we're going to find, and if it doesn't have pockets, I'm going to just go get a little stuff sack and create one and just put it or, inside or, yeah, the or, backpack. <laughs> or lash it to the outside of the backpack, man. Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. I used well, to run, I used to run two, uh, two hilt belt pouches and it was yeah. just like, oh wait, that one's too, you know, it's like a, a six by four, you know, hip belt pouch and it wasn't enough. It was like, I need the biggest hip belt pouch I could find, man. Looking like oh, man. running around with dual fanny packs on or something. Uh, and got away from I got, that mess. Uh, I got like buckles. So I'll have to send you some pictures. I've, I've actually lashed two initial scent hip belt pouches on the outside of my backpack and attach additional straps to put more stuff, man. And I'm telling you, it, it, it's gotten it's out of control. It's, it's, yeah, it's calmed down since then, but you know, a lot of it too is the buying different gear and running different gear every year and not sticking with something. Sometimes you don't quite trust it until it's proven itself. And so you bring it back up in case that one that you're testing fails. And I run into that a lot. You know, it's a problem, and I'm starting to get a little bit better. We need better to have like that. a like a group <laughs> sit oh, down once oh, a week yeah. and just talk yeah. and just talk how to gear, how to beat the addiction. Yeah, gear gear junkies anonymous. Oh, dude, it, I mean, it is hard. It is the hardest thing to not. You can't help yourself. <laughs> you no. just can't help it, right? You're like, damn, that looks good, right? And you start really delving into it and researching it, and you're like, oh, this is solid. I got to I gotta check it out. But then, like you're saying, I can't get away from what I'm using. This isn't tried oh, and man. true yet, but it's still going to come to feel with me because I may have an opportunity here. It's it's yep. yeah, it's a vicious oh, yeah. freaking cycle, dude. Well, and you were busier than I was at the expo, but. I was really glad that I was so busy in the initial scent booth that I couldn't go walk around because that's where it gets me. <laughs> it's when I see all that new gear and I'm like, oh man, that could fill a hole where, you know, I need some gear, you know, something. And, but it's like that with all my law enforcement gear too. All my guys at work give me crap because I, you know, changing my setup so much or trying this new pouch out and doing this and that. But no, no, it's not. It's it's a lifestyle, buddy. This is not just yeah. every once in a while. This this goes through everything. The one way that yep. I've so so you brought up a hunt expo, right? I had to tell myself two weeks prior, and it was like an everyday thing for two weeks. I'm not going there to spend money. I'm going there to work. I'm not going there to spend money. And my wife would ask me, babe, you don't want to look at this or you don't want to look? Nope, nope, nope. And I don't think I think I walked out of there. <laughs> I think I walked out of there, dude. I don't know that I had any extra weight that I paid for leaving that place. I yeah. think I might have bought a hat. Oh, I bought Man, a hat and some reeds. For as much as it was there. Yeah, yeah, I bought a hat yeah, and some reeds. I did, I did buy some. It, it was hard, man, with that Phelps booth right next to us. It was hard to not go over and buy some of those amp reeds. I had to. It's necessity. Yeah. Absolutely. Necessity. Yeah, right. I worry about oh, man. You know, not seeing that read next year or something. And then I don't have it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I keep finding reads too. Like I'll dig into a pocket and go, Oh, Hey, that's where I put that, you know? <laughs> yep. 
And then but, th- that and giving stuff away. I've been like somebody, yeah. you know, talk. I'm like, hey, you want this? I'll send it to you. And that's actually helped me a lot. And then I'm watching. Uh, you should see that in front of me right here. I'm watching this stuff kind of dwindle down. And I have I have one Rubbermaid with the stuff that's absolutely not going anywhere, um, like my wow. must haves. And then the other stuff, dude, I'm just dumping it. And it, it's actually slowed me down quite a bit because either you're giving it away or you're selling it for pennies on the dollar just to get something right. back from it. Just to, yeah, and you're, better than collecting dust. Yeah, man. and you're losing every time you do it. I'm like, damn, look at all the look at all the tag money or out of state money that's just gone. <laughs> yeah, well, you hear guys say it too. You know, buy, buy tags, tag, not, not gear. gear. <laughs> Easier said but, than done. <laughs> oh man, dude, and and. So like Chris, he benefits, my dad benefits from my addiction, I guess you want to call it (laughs) because, you know, I got an extra gear. I got an extra one of these. I got extra one of these and, you know, Chris needs ones. Oh, here, man, just borrow it, borrow it. No, let me pay for it. No, no, just borrow it. And then pretty soon I'm like, oh man, that's cool. He goes, yeah, it's yours. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot (laughs) I I let you use it. You know? Yep. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that. And Dennis was even talking about that this last weekend. He's like, man, everything I got's for sale just because it's, you know, I'm going through it so much and, and trying different stuff that pretty much anything I got's for sale. Somebody wants to pay me for it. Yeah. At some point that's, <laughs> that's what happens. Although, I mean, you know, lately I've been, I've been finding things that just work. Right. Yeah. And they become more and more valuable um, as I beat the crap out of them. Like I went through, I've gone through three different hammock setups in a year and a half. And what are you running now? I'm running the, uh, I have a climate and then I'm running the mountain ambush tarp over the climate hammock. Um, okay. With a climate pad in it and it's money. Um, mm. And I've been running that. That's been, that was my primary setup last year, but I had the, uh, the, you know, um, I was running mm. that. Then I had like an Amazon kind of cheapy, brand like full-on you know bug screen kit and the whole nine um was the the eno one did it was it the jungle nest one yes with the bug nest yeah, yeah i got the bug nest on it and uh man i was looking at that i uh i really like it the only the only problem that i have is that they don't they don't support us as hunters right and that's kind of uh, that's yeah. kind of why i I was, it was kind of like a regretful decision after I was like, damn it. You know, I should have looked at this prior. Um, and then climate, you know, being that they support our demographic, it was kind of a no brainer and it's, it's been solid, man. I tell you what, I, I could sleep in that thing in 110 degrees and I could sleep in it in, I was as low as like 33 degrees and I just put the pad hmm. in it and get in that bag and do that thing is it's cozy, man. That mountain ambush tarp is a 10 by 10. Um, yeah. And either you can, you know, you can lean to it or just kind of, you know, break it in the middle and it's enough space under it for, you know, my gear and everything below me. And then, uh, and the hammock and everything up on top so that that's been the you money know, I've, set up I've for never, the hammock. I've never hammock camped. I've, I've kind of wanted to try it, but, and you don't run into problems with bugs and stuff. Oh, you just get a bug there. net, bud. You get a bug net, yeah. and what happens is the bug net um, has hooks, and it hangs from 
um, basically you hook it onto your tree straps and then it has a guy wire that comes across over your hammock. You can hang it, I don't know, a mm-hmm. couple of feet above you. And then, um, you, you put your hammock inside of it and there's holes that just kind of, uh, drawstring down, cinch down on the, uh, on the hammock straps and it sucker zips up, man. And it's, uh, it's money, dude. It is, uh, huh. it's the best. I would, I would do that a thousand times before I said, I'm going to take the sleeping pad and sleep on the ground. Really? Oh, dude, you're out. <laughs> you know, you, you know, and I need to try it too. Cause I, I don't necessarily get the best sleep out in the woods. I know some people are like, Oh dude, but you know, every, I get, I'm either too hot or too cold or, you know, I sleep on my back a lot and sometimes it's not the most comfortable, but I know, I know like Michael Batiste, he says that he runs a, a little hammock for his midday naps. And so I, I was thinking about getting one just to try for like a midday nap or something and see if I sleep good with it and like it before I dive into the full like hammock camping type of thing. But oh, yeah, dude. for California, man, especially where you're hunting, that's that's got to be money because the airflow getting through there yep. and cooling you down when it's 100 degrees outside. Oh, it's, it's it gotta be. Yeah. It's money. And then what you, you know, you're in the hammock, yeah. you're zipped up. You don't have to worry about our crazy, you know, mosquitoes. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, I love it. And it, and I'm telling you, it's better. I don't care how much you clear the ground under your, under your sleeping pad or under your tent, you still feel that, that one rock that you missed, um, mm-hmm. or that little piece of stick and that hammock dude, you're, you're gone. Like that's the best mountain sleeps. Yeah. We're trying to get the pit pitched right. You know, sometimes you're, you're pitching your tent. It's, it's kind of on a little downhill or yeah. something or, and you <laughs> yep. gotta, you gotta make sure your head's above your feet or you're going to wake up with a headache. headache. Yep. Yep. It, uh, that's the yeah. hammock solves it, man. Yeah, I'm telling you, it is, it is the greatest mountain sleep period. And then you can be anywhere. You can be on a hillside yeah. and you don't have, you know what I mean? That bench may have a bunch of water or something on it. You don't have to worry about it. You throw that hammock up, yeah. you're above the ground. Um, and then if it's colder, right. you're not, not losing the body heat. Or nothing. No. Yeah. You know, you're not losing huh. the body heat. If you So there's a couple pads. They have, you know, the insulated, non-insulated pads. Um, yeah. And when it's hot, you run the insulated. When it's uh, when it's cold, you run the non-insulated. If it's super hot, you know, that 110 Central California heat, you don't run anything under <laughs> it. Yeah, and like you say, that airflow no, gets you. It's their money. Oh, dude, and I ran into a problem up here in Idaho because I mean, you know how it is down there. My season ended the end of August or beginning of September down there, and it was still getting into the hundreds in the mm-hmm. beginning of September in some of those desert areas I was hunting. And then I come up here, and I don't have an insulated pad. I am freezing my butt <laughs> off. So I went out this off season and bought a, a pad with a six R value and was running it this weekend. And man, it made all the difference in the world. Yeah. And I, I think it's easier that that uh, climate control, if you will, to me, it just seems like it's easier in the hammock. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It, it just, you put, if you have the pad under you, you don't have to necessarily zip your bag up. Um, and then you have some, you know, they're thin, right? So I don't want to get carried away, but the way that the pads are a little bit wider than your body imprint in the hammock. So it widens mm-hmm. it out. So then it kind of walls up a little bit. Um, and that wall yeah, kind of helps with that. the wind. Yeah. That's dude. It's money. I can't, I don't know unless it's necessity or we're base camping. I don't, 
I don't think there's any reason not to have a hammock, especially for the weight, the weight and the amount of space you save running a hammock and a tarp um, versus running, you know, a shelter, unless you're using, you know, something like a Jimmy tarp or a small bivy tarp or like that mountain ambush tarp and some poles, you can't beat the, uh, the size and the weight for it. Now that is nice. I tell you, I did a lot of, uh, uh, first year really hunting elk in this Idaho country and everything I was doing, uh, a lot of truck camping and stuff, day, day hiking out and changing spots, being mobile. And I have a camper shell on my pickup and I have a, an old Gore-Tex military bivy that I had my pad and everything in and wake up in the morning leave it in that bivy, just zip it all the way up and take off, you know, and just was sleeping in that camper shell all night. And that was, that was pretty slick doing it that way. It didn't take all the time to have to put up camp and take down camp and back and forth. That's what we do. I wasn't staying. We'll do our, you know, we'll make runs like, you know, last year me and my buddy drove to Colorado for our scouting trips. And that's all we would do. We would take the hammocks and a bag and, uh, you know, pull the, I have a rack on my Jeep would pull up right next to a couple mm. trees, hang it from one to the other. And we were good to go wherever we were at. As long as there's trees, you know, we just you need one from, tree. You hang it from the rack to one tree. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. So we just, that's, you know, that's pretty slick. And we yeah. just, you know, you're just comfortable. And when it's warm, dude, you're just, you know, looking out the bug net and the skies, you know, glowing with stars. And it's just awesome. The only, the <laughs> only downside, dude, is, is because you're strapping to trees, you got to treat your straps, your hammock straps, at least a portion of them with like a, the Sawyer permethrin spray, the gear spray. Um, yeah. If you don't, you're going to get covered in ants. <laughs> <laughs> that mm, they will, yeah that would make sense they will climb on that hammock dude and you will wake up in a fit of uh of bites and <laughs> oh man been there a couple times learned the lesson it is miserable man and that's funny too because that was an argument that me and chris young got into when we were kind of designing and going over tents as he was big on the floor list got to have a stove jack and hunting in california in the you know, the late or the early fall, I didn't care about no stove jack. I wanted a dang bug net yeah. because the mos- mosquitoes and everything else that were running around in that country. Those mosquitoes so that kill you. Yeah. Well, and then this last weekend, he was running a new, a new tent system. It was a pretty nice little tent system, but it had a bug net in it. And I ended up, uh, I don't know how long I was carrying it around, but I was carrying around a scorpion for a while. So we ended up packing up camp, you know, after glassing for bears in the early morning and packed up. And then we just kind of walked around glassing and, and made our way back to the truck for, you know, probably three and a half, four miles. Get back to the truck, put the backpack in the truck, drive to another spot, glassing for bears i ended up seeing a bear and we left the packs in the truck and made a mad dash up there before last light couldn't find him anyway got back to the truck went to camp pulled out the backpack to get my sleeping bag and everything else out of it and if there wasn't a scorpion about the size of a i don't know it's probably two inches wide it's a 
decent sized little scorpion sitting on my back seat underneath <laughs> where my backpack was. And the only way I could figure is that that thing crawled into my backpack or onto my backpack when I was set it down or was sleeping or whatever. And it was, I, was, I thought my backpack felt a little bit heavier on the way out. But. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Uh, but that. I can't do the mosquitoes though that I, I'm not, I'm not there with them either. They're, uh, yeah. they're rough, man. But like I said, I'm telling you, try that hammock, dude, that it is, it's gold. Yeah, I might have to. They're I, gold. There's, there's not a whole lot I value more on a hunting trip than a good night's sleep. Mm-hmm. It's already hard to sleep, right? You, you're, you're yeah. hunting from, you know, at least for us, we're dark to dark and you get back and you have a meal, then you're bullshitting around the fire. And then by the time you know it, it's 10, you know, 11 o'clock and you're trying to wake up at, you know, Three thirty, eat some breakfast, four, whatever it is, to get back out. And uh, man, those hammocks. And even if you're, you know, if you're just pack camping, and that hammock, it just, man, you just unhook it from the tree, roll that sucker up, throw it in the bag, you're gone. I mean, it's the fastest yeah. setup and tear down ever. I love them. Man, you're starting to talk me into it now, oh, dude. They're, they're. I'm gonna, I'm gonna need to get some more gear. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, they're money, dude. And then, you know, I won't keep going on that, but it's money. Check it out. Oh no. Oh, no, I like talking about that. That's oh, I love good because I don't, I don't really know a whole lot of people that run hammocks. So yeah, that's, uh, that's good to know. I don't know that I would. Uh, I don't think I could go back. You know, maybe in the right condition. I I just don't know what that is at this point. Think about if you're if you're in the snow, right? You got a foot and a half, two, three foot of snow. I don't have to deal with it, right? I'm above it. Um, I throw my hammock up. I have my insulated pad, my bag. I put my bivy over the top of me. You know, shield me from whatever that wind direction is, and uh, it's money, man. I I just you know, in the heat, yeah, it's. Now that's, you know, there's, there is something to be said. I will give Chris this little point about the, the, the stove. I, I did get a, a teepee this last year during October and November, I ran a stove and it was nice to kind of have that creature comfort of that little bit of warmth in that teepee when it was in the teens in the morning. But it, it, it was something that I, the first night I did it, I thought I was going to, be able to burn wood all night and just stay cozy as a bug in a rug. But ended up, I'd have to, I would wake myself up every couple hours because it would get cold and I'd have to restoke the fire and put more wood on it and fall back asleep. And about every two hours I would have to do that. Well, the next night I didn't do that. I just, you know, as I was getting ready for bed, I lit a fire and had it burning and then it burnt out and I slept great all night. Woke up in the morning built a fire and it was nice and warm in there to crawl out of the sleeping bag and get ready. So that, that was kind of nice, but yeah, I don't know how the hammock yeah, would work in you. the teens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ain't been there yeah. yet. <laughs> uh, and that's, I'm sure it could be done. I don't know what the R value is on those hammock pads, but yeah, I'm not sure. I would imagine that. that they would, uh, the insulated ones are pretty good. I forget what it is. Yeah. Well, and luckily now a lot of these companies kind of made a a deal with each other that they were going to go through this third party to do R values because before, you know, you had companies like Big Agnes that were just saying, oh, it's rated down to this, this degree. Yeah. Or this company was saying it's this R value, this R, and there wasn't really a, wasn't a, standard. a constant. Right. Yeah. And so now they're, most of the big companies are running through, you know, your XPED, Nemo, 
Big Agnes, uh, Thermal Rest. They're all running through a, their climate, I think, too. They're all running through a third party to do their R-value testing, which is kind of nice. You can compare them across the board a little bit better. Yeah, that's uh, definitely a plus. So, um, so I want to talk about the IA packs just a little bit, man. Um, cause I had Chris yeah. on, I had Dennis on and you made some mods to your, uh, your 2k. Um, I, I know why now <laughs> I know exactly why, <laughs> but do that. And what, when I looked at it, you know, when I saw you do that, I was just like, damn, that's genius. Um, and it didn't, it didn't lend itself to he needed more stuff to carry or the gear junkie it it was a convenience pouch if you will (laughs) yeah yeah and that's i ended up adding lid and when we were at the kind of winding down the end of the uh western hunting expo in salt lake we and we were all talking with dennis and joe and i I like running the lid and then running a day mode because i like you know, with the 4K or the 6K, I like leaving the bag with all the stuff that I'm not going to need in camp. So I'm going out light. And I like the ability to do that. And with just the straight 2K, um, I can't really do that because it's designed to not be used with a pannier load carrier or a lid. And so you're pretty much carrying it around all the time. And I don't like just kind of willy-nilly taking stuff out of a bag and leaving it in camp oh, I hate you know, in case, in case of bears or anything else. So, um I kind of right away starting starting seeing that pack. I was like, okay, how can I run this with a pannier and a lid? And there's enough attachments and everything that where you can run the pannier on there just like you can with a a 4K or a 6K. And then running a a lid, it just took a little modifications on some some buckle straps and stuff down the front, but got it done. And it's it's actually a pretty slick setup. It was kind of neat this last weekend bear hunting um i had the i was running it with the lid the pannier and the 2k chris was running it with just the 2k and then dennis had the lid but no pannier so it was kind of neat to see how all the different systems were working and and whatnot but i i am a big fan of the lid yeah i like that i was and, like yeah yeah and it adds you know i think chris is gonna end up getting a lid for his but it it's almost running a 3k you know the the bag itself they call it the 2k but it's really about 2500 cubic inches it's just easier to say 2k than two and a half k but um and so with the lid you're you're looking at just a just a little over 3000 cubic inches which is man it's just kind of what i need for your day camp and your you know your weekend warrior type of trips and quite frankly that's that's kind of what this season's going to end up looking like for me. It's it's I burnt a lot of time off last year to be out there more, and then Chris starting the new job with uh, my agency up here. He's going to be on um, field training and and everything, so he's not going to be able to take the days off. So we're going to be going for three day, two night hunts a lot, and so it's going to be you know, it's going to suit the build just just right for that type of hunting. So that lid is about what six hundred cubic inches. Yeah, it depends right on there. which. There's there's three different variants of lids that they've had. They've had the the original, the four K lid that came with the four K, and when they came out with the six K, they made a the lid a little bit bigger, um, but it still had that 
kind of hard to tell rear entry, I guess the, um, and now they have the, the lid that's the center zip, which is, which is amazing because you can, whether your bag's laying down or standing up, you can unzip that lid without all your stuff falling out of it, which is awesome. And that, so that lid is a little bit bigger than the original or the 6k lid, um, the older 6k lid. It's, it's a little bit bigger. So it's, yeah, you're running about six, six fifty, I think I want to say Dennis said with that lid, but you know, your bladder, your water bladder goes up in the lid. So whether you drop your bag in camp and whatnot, you're, you still got your water bladder and I keep a lot of my essentials in that lid. So it's always with me and I don't have to worry about, Oh man, I left it in the bag in camp and still have the ability to, to haul out meat and everything with the pannier and whatnot. Yeah. I, uh, no, I'm digging that. Uh, I'm digging that whole system, man. Um, and I was looking for something that I could run a single frame and suspension, and then have multiple bag options. And uh, yeah, kind of where you know, kind of how I landed there. And I'm glad I did, man. It. Uh, I I don't know. I that yeah that know. suspension is so <laughs> flipping comfortable. Yeah, and that's where. Yeah, you know, there's a couple companies out there that have, you know, frames that you can swap bags on and everything. And I had one prior to this, this system. And it was actually just about a year ago to the date when I killed my spring bear last year and was running a, a different pack. And it was brutal. And it was a pack that I had a, a 4,000 cubic inch and a 6,000 and some day pack, you know, and you could swap it on the frame, but the, the frame is a carbon fiber frame, but it, it was just real, it was real flimsy and the load that I had on it was camp and everything. And, and it was bare hide, bare head and loose meat. So there was no structure to any of it. And it was just sloppy. And because of the narrow frame, it, it, it was just, it was like holding, squeezing Play-Doh in your fingers and it's just squeezing through. It was just a mess and I couldn't get comfortable. And it was just, it was terribly uncomfortable to pack out. And after that, I, I, I was just cussing it and ended up meeting Chris. It, uh, I, I tell Chris, I, or I tell people I met Chris in jail, but which the right, the right side take, of the bars, <laughs> the, the right side of the bars. Yeah. But, and so we, uh, he started talking to me about the, the initial set packs and I had never heard of them at the time. I'm a fairly new company on the market. And so he was talking to me about it. He doesn't live too far from me. So one day he was like, Hey man, when I get off of work, I'm going to bring my bag by with some weight in it and everything. And I want you to, to put it on and try it, man. And that was, yeah, sold, man. I put the other stuff up for sale and actually traded a guy. Um, and I had four K setup for the old setup I was running and, and haven't looked back. Now I got the 2K and the 6K bag, and it's uh, a new lid's coming. I need, I want that center zip lid, but they're uh, they were only offering it up until now. I think they're starting. I don't know if it's rolled out yet, but there should be a, a center zip um, coyote lid coming here soon. I know they have it. The the cryptic. The uh, I think they have it. The green and the the gray out right now dude, that gray was was uh a hit at, yeah, uh, dude, in utah it's growing it's growing on me like in utah i was like okay that looks 
slick, but how's it going to look you know, on somebody's back in the country and stuff like that. And then Chris and Dennis were both running the gray this weekend. And that is a slick, slick looking color. Yeah. I think between that, between that and the cryptic is what I saw everybody kind of gawking at at the yeah. show. That uh, Yeah. And I, I'm just kind of committed to the coyote at this point with the suspension system and the different colored bags and lids. I'm just kind of sold on it. Yeah. But. I'm a green when it, I don't know what it is, dude, when it comes to my packs, they, they have to be in green. <laughs> I'm, yeah. Well, I'm that's, a weirdo that that's, that's funny. Actually, I got the, uh, I got the six K in a green and it doesn't look bad with a coyote lid and, you know, coyote accessories and suspension and everything on there. It's not a bad looking little setup, but. Yeah, no, I, I mean, and, and outside of the pack, you know, you start talking about uh, the guys behind the pack and, uh, oh, man, dude, I mean that if, if the pack didn't sell you, those guys will, I don't care. Yeah, I almost don't care 100%. who you are. <laughs> no, just, you spend five minutes talking to those dudes and you're like, all right, take my money. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're just, they're the type of dudes that you just know right away. You're going to, you're going to like and respect and they're going to, they're going to treat you well whether you have you buy their pack or not you know they're not like hey, if you don't buy my pack you're not going to be friends you know they're just that type of people just salt of the earth kind of guys and it says a lot that you know dennis and joe they they put every pack together themselves you know there's no assembly line there's no you know workers behind it it's them so you buy a pack it's put together by the owners and Dennis, Dennis oh. can play a mean guitar and sing, dude. <laughs> oh man! So the first time he said, the first time he told me that, I thought he was joshing with me. I thought he was messing around. And then he's like, "No, pulled up his his iTunes, yeah. you know, I guess folder or whatever you yeah. want to call it, and started playing some music." And I was like, "No kidding!" Uh huh. Chicken dinner yeah. road, buddy. Um, chicken dinner road, man. <laughs> and I, the, one of the first, actually, it was probably the first time that I came up here to Idaho. I took my wife to McCall on a, a little kind of delayed honeymoon vacation. And I remember seeing that pop up on my GPS as I was driving down the road. I was like, chicken dinner road, little babe, look at that. And we started laughing about it and everything. And then when he told me that that was the name of his band, I was like, fitting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it tripped me out, man. I was look, you know, just looking and I was like, what is this? And there was a... Uh, there was a small video of him playing with those guys. They did like a little reunion like a year or so ago. And they, I think the song was Ghost of Mississippi or something like that. And he had, and I talked to him about this on, on his episode, but he had his hood on. And he's playing that mandolin, dude. And he starts like, you can see when the switch turns on and it was just like it was like i've never seen anybody rock out with a mandolin like that yeah that's talent man yeah, that takes some cool, talent man. to do that kind of stuff oh it was, it was so freaking cool i was like that's awesome man yeah. so on your on your ig i couldn't help but laugh man i was kind of you know like i said trolling through there and uh we got to talk about where you hang your cameras, buddy. <laughs> Cause you had, you had a couple stud bulls and I'm like, Holy crap. Look at these guys. Then yeah. I read the caption and you're not even hanging cameras in your zone. <laughs> I was like, wait so a minute. That, that's like self-inflicted <laughs> torture. That was my, that was my deer zone, but I didn't have an elk tag there. 
Oh. And so I was looking for deer, and all I got was, was big bulls. <laughs> Stud bulls, man. I was like, holy crap, why would you hang a camera there? I thought you were hanging in there. And I'm like, dude, this guy's torturing himself. This is crazy. Yeah. No, I, I didn't get a single deer on that trail camera. <laughs> but that, that big five point, I I saw him in, on the hoof, and he... I don't know what he'd score, but man, he's a trophy in my book. Just the size of those whale tails and how long those beams are on that five. I never even counted uh, them. I, when I saw the picture, I didn't even count them. I was just like, I was awestruck. I wouldn't even thought he was a five. He was so big. Yeah. And it took me a while too to like, wait, am I only counting five? I got to be missing one, you know? <laughs> he, uh, now, I thought you were talking about the bears from my California trail camera. I had like nine different bears on one trail camera on the same spot. Oh, dang. Yeah. Which is unusual. It's like the bears know the cams are there, man, especially down here. Yeah. Well, I found a, I found a nice little waterhole spring down there where I was deer hunting and stuff and trying to find deer on the camera. And once again, got everything but... Yeah, that uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was that elk one, man. That cracked me up. I was like, damn, that's like self-inflicted torture there, man. Yeah. It's like, hey, hey, I know where some bulls are if somebody's got this zone. Are you going after that zone <laughs> at all, or is that well, that's another one of those Hail Mary once in a lifetime deals. I think you know, the the tag that me and Chris are gonna do this year is gonna be an over-the-counter zone. So we already know that going in, so might as well throw our hat into the to the mix for a you know a hail mary zone but we were even thinking about doing sheep and goat but because you can only up here in idaho you can't if you put in for you got to be one or the other so it's either deer elk antelope or sheep goat moose you can't do all of them which is kind of nice because then it it kind of limits the people putting in for it. So you actually have a pretty decent shot of getting the sheep tag or a goat tag up here, but kind of, there's not a whole lot of tags given, but there's not a whole lot of people putting in for them either. And then the way they kind of nice, the way they changed it up up there, right? I mean, they're really looking at limiting that entry into, into areas. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of that too, you know, I know they were limited the out of state tags given, but I think a lot of that has to do with just the population influx of residents here. So they're, they're obviously they're wanting preference to go to the residents. Right. Rightfully so. I can, re I can respect that. Absolutely. Yeah. But it, it's, uh, you know, it, it, and I've seen it firsthand and I'm one of them. I'm one of the ones that influx up here from, from out of state. And, you know, it's, it's hard for me to, default that just because it's I, I understand i hunted this state as a, a non-resident and i've hunted as a resident and you know i ran into i ran into some guys last year up in the elk zone i was in they were uh from texas up here and i was like oh wow i never thought i'd run into anybody from texas up here hunting but you know that's good on them though you know they got to to hunt in the country and species that they didn't get to hunt in Texas. What what can you not hunt in Texas? Please tell me. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> right? And 
all the exotics that they have oh, down there. Crazy. You could you could almost kill anything you can kill in Africa and Texas. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, dude. Someone was telling me that they have baboons, and I don't know how yeah, actual that, that is, but I've heard it more than once. And I'm like that when when those tigers start getting loose in Texas, so we'll see the change in people wanting to hunt in Texas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh man! Speaking of that, that dang show that's on Netflix right now. Everything I, that's... I keep hearing about it. I, I I have not. I'm not a TV guy, <laughs> so I haven't sat down yeah. to to watch it. And I'm kind of scared because everybody's like obsessed with it, man. <laughs> well, and that's that's kind of what got me to watch. I watched it. I haven't watched the whole thing. I just watched a couple episodes. But you know, I was getting these memes and stuff from group text messages from work. There's all the guys on my my patrol team. Well, the group text messages and I'm, I'm, I'm missing out cause of, they're doing all these inside jokes that I don't know because I don't watch the show. So I kind of had to watch it a little bit, but I don't know. It, it's, would I watch it if we weren't in quote quarantine and everything? Probably not, but it's a, it's an okay way to pass the time. Yeah. I haven't, uh, I don't think I'm a partake. <laughs> I think I yeah, see enough I, of the damn memes, you, man, to get trapped right, in that mess. You're, you're not missing out, man. You're not missing out. You might as well go in. I know Mealy Freak's been busting out the, the films lately, and they're pretty good watching. So I would recommend that over that silly Netflix show. We've been running on here, man. What's – I got a couple things for you, right? When we're yeah. when we're on the mountain, we're, we're definitely – pursuing game right we're chasing animals um but that isn't that isn't the only reason that we're there um what is it for you what are you what are you hunting for what do you what are you looking for uh what keeps you going outside the animals when you're on the mountain man it's tough it's you know and it's not I know a lot of people say it. it's not about the kill. It's about the adventure. It's about the hunt and everything. But, you know, I don't even have to be like Chris on the bear hunt. I took him on last year. Right. I want to say took him on because I didn't guide him. I just went with him while he was on the bear hunt, but I got just as much out of it. Him killing that bear and being with him while that was happening. than is if I pulled the trigger, you know, and for me, being in such a high stress job all the time, always being, you know, at heightened state of awareness and just wound tight all the time, really getting out there and getting into the woods where it's, I don't have to worry about watching my six or, you know, dealing with all this stuff. It's, it's not as bad up here in Idaho as it was in the area I worked in California, but you know, you got to have that release. You got to have that time to, to dump the trauma trash can as they call it and, and let, let some of that stuff out and recharge. And I, I definitely feel it when there's times of the year that I don't get out there as much as I should. And, you know, some of the seasons that there's not, there's not hunting seasons. It's, I feel the tension building up and it, it's, it's not good for my home life with my wife and it's not good for work. Cause then I found myself, you know, shorter fuse and, and it's it's kind of my release to get out there and reset the batteries I've, and you know i was talking to uh chad bracken out of wyoming he's an officer as well and and he said the same thing like you know i don't get to switch it off unless i'm on the mountain that is when i yeah. get to let my guard down and you know 
it. I don't think when you're in that line of work that you can just, it's not something that turns on and off when you're around a civilian population. And I don't know. I'm just saying it right. I have no damn yeah. clue, well, but I've heard it, it more than once. So, and you know, you're, and you're right. And, and I know it's hard and I, I really try not to do this, but I don't like going out in public. I don't, I don't, you know, and it, it's funny, this whole quarantine, like only necessary travel. I tell people any travel I do outside of my house is necessary because I don't like leaving it unless it's necessary. And, and that's, you know, cause anytime I go out, I'm carrying a gun, I'm carrying my badge and I'm, I'm alert and I'm always aware and I'm, you know, in that heightened state and it's not relaxing to me unless I'm out in the mountains with my wife or, you know, whatever. So it's, it's my time to get out to do something fun and be able to relax and not have to, to worry about somebody sneaking up on me. So we're always striving for improvement. At least most of us, what's uh, yeah. what are a couple things, man, that you're looking at, you know, with this season. Um, and it doesn't have to be improvement in, you know, maybe archery or things like that, but just in general, what, what things are you looking at for yourself? Oh man, definitely fitness. And um, that's something that being around Chris and Dennis, especially this last time, man, they were whooping my butt up and down the mountain. That's all the extra and, gear. Blame it on the extra gear. <laughs> hey, no joke though. We weighed our bags. I probably was carrying almost 20 pounds more than they were, but they were going to, what my butt regardless of how much I was carrying and you know and it shows and and towards the end there when we were trying to make that mad dash play on that bear you know Chris knew the buttons to push on me to get me to push myself further than I would have on my own and you know they they were running up that mountain ahead of me trying to find that bear and Chris even looked back one time and said, hey, give me the rifle. I'll help you carry it. And that <laughs> pissed me off, man. And he knew it was going to do it too. And, and it, it got me to get up my, my butt up that mountain faster. But he, I was like, you, you know, I don't relinquish my weapons, mother. You know, I, was, I was, but he knew what he was doing. He knew he was. He was pushing those buttons, but no, Chris no, that's, dude, that's yeah. definitely it, man. That's, that's the, it's the fitness side of things that he busts his butt on. And if I'm going to keep up with him hunting this year, especially elk, I gotta, I gotta get myself in shape. And yeah, that's, I got a 75 pound bag of sand and a brute force training bag. And I put that in the back frame, the, the pannier load carrier on that IA2K and walk around with that. and. I think it's, I think it's helping. I, I'm not there yet, which is something I, a goal I got to get to by the time September rolls around. Will we have five months? Uh, what is it? April? Yeah. Yeah. About yeah, five months. Five months just, just about. Well, shoot, yeah. man. I, uh, appreciate the time, man. I, like I said, I wanted to catch up with you at the Utah show, but man, everybody was so daggone busy. Oh um, man. I felt lucky just to jet, uh, snag, you know, Dennis and Joe for the little bit of time. And, yeah. But I no, appreciate that's fun you taking seeing all time, those new, man. all those guests you guys pull in there. Always a blast. Kinda, I can't wait till next year. Kind of fanboying every once in a while when yeah. you bring somebody in there. Oh dude, I, I can't wait till next year, man. We already got, uh, we're already set with a couple people. Um, 
yeah so we'll be back doing it again i can't wait that was that was the last of a week man or four days i had so much fun that was my first time going to something like that i mean i've you know doing the Botech pro staff stuff back in the day i went to a few shoots and worked their booth but something that big on that grandest scale everything that's that was was a lot of fun with great people so oh man amazing hopefully i can get my hopefully i can get my wife up there this next year and Ever hanging out with Kaziah and your wife and everything. So Yeah. That that'd be a blast. We went and did that axe yeah. throwing the wife and I when we were there. Oh man. Dude, that was so much fun. <laughs> they they just opened up one here in Nampa and I, I once this whole quarantine stuff lives, I gotta go to that. Oh dude, it's a blast. <laughs> it's, yeah. It was so much fun. It's frustrating at first because that thing is bouncing, it's bouncing back at you <laughs> and you're dodging this thing with your ankles. But yeah, it's it was a blast, man. Once you get it down, I'm sure it's probably just like, oh, that's for the trick. Yes, yep. now I got it. Oh, dude, yeah. you, once you get it, you're you're showing off. You're like, can I go any further back? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Watch. I can get four revolutions on this before it sticks. Yeah. Yeah, you gonna? Uh, yeah, I was just gonna ask you if you were coming to Idaho this year for any hunts. I well, right now everything is closing down to non-res. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. so that's, Idaho, man, that's gonna open, man. That, Idaho was open, the first. Well, the problem with it is, is you know, I'm I'm nervous, so it's like, okay, yeah. I'm gonna just have to buy an OTC elk tag, and mm. if and just go with that just for the risk of because to me i don't want to put my full hat on in front of everybody here but it's politics right so you have all these states that are doing this crap for politics well the election is in november they're going to carry it out and if they start to drag this mess out that means that we're going to start seeing stuff open but there's going to be restrictions here and there and kind of seeing it here where you know counties are starting to open things back up but only to county residents and it got Mm. me thinking like okay if that happens i gotta have some i cannot miss chasing elk and i can't rely on 17 points in california for the opportunity so right with the the states that have closed now i think i'm gonna just have to pull the trigger you know by the by the colorado otc and and hope that you know that we you know get it done there but yeah it's just too risky (laughs) damn yeah well if i if i hear it because it's non-residents that have already bought tags like for can still come up you know kind of thing they're just not selling new ones but once they once they open that i'll hit you up i'll let you know man because that's uh and i hate seeing that kind of stuff happening because there ain't no better place to be social distancing than in the the mountain bro the woods yeah and that's what bugs me it doesn't make any sense to me. They got a dude here. I think it was up in uh, probably Central California. He's out surfing. And they, oh, uh, man. the boat came and chased him out. He's out by himself. He's in the water surfing yeah. by himself. Yeah. And yeah. they're chasing him but out of the water. Uh, but then you can go to the grocery stores and be rubbing elbows with people. Yeah. It, I, that's another topic that I don't want to get into. It makes <laughs> yeah. my blood boil, man. Oh, dude. It's... Uh, like I said, I don't want to put my foil hat on in front of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I got one right here too. Jeez. But all right, brother. I appreciate the time, man. And uh yeah, hey, man, I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, this yeah. is uh it's been a blast just catching up with you and, and BSing, man. It's crazy that we ran in the same circles and, and probably met each other back I, in man, the day. I'm once. telling you, dude, when I when you yeah. said that, it clicked. I'm gonna run when I run out of here, I'm gonna tell my wife that is where. Yeah. 
that's crazy. So, oh, man. good deal, man. Well, I appreciate the oh, time man. again, Take bro. Take care, dude. You Be too. safe. Stay frosty down there, dude. Thank you, man. Well, so, yeah, it's getting All hot, right, so frosty's out of the question, but I'll talk to you. <laughs> All right, man. Later, brother. Take care. Bye. Tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down. We spend a lot of time preparing for our hunts, and how we fuel our efforts is key. Head over to ValleyToPeakNutrition.com, helping you perform optimally in the backcountry. The purpose of Valley to Peak is to provide sound nutritional information supported by science to help you prepare and perform optimally in the backcountry. There's no secret. This is done through education, coaching, and programming based on personal goals and preferences. Head over to ValleyToPeakNutrition.com or catch them on Instagram at V2P Nutrition.